All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to High Desert Work Center. Amen. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning? Praise God. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. You know, we had a verse on there yesterday, Psalm 69.9. It says that passion for your house has consumed me. And David just loved being in the house of the Lord. He said, I've got a passion for it and it's consumed me. And that's just how I feel, man. I love God's house. And I know you wonderful people do too. I'm going to have my beautiful wife, Miss Katie, come on up. And we're going to go over a few announcements today. See what's going on. Because we do have stuff going on. Big stuff. Big stuff. Like the men's meeting. Yay. Um, so this Saturday, men's meeting, 9 a.m. Last men's meeting, uh, my crew was all sad that the women's meeting had brought their own food to eat. And that the men's meeting, all my boys were like, wait, we're supposed to eat at home and not eat there. And Robert's not cooking for us. What a bummer. So you can totally bring your own food. Don't feel like you have to, but you can bring your own food. We're just not feeding you. We're just not going to do that, but you can bring your own food. So this Saturday, 9 a.m., um, if you are under the age of sixth grade, under the grade of sixth grade, raise your hand. Youngins, are you paying attention? Guess what? Children's Church opens in two Sundays. Yes! Yes! Okay, so Sunday, August 9th at 10 a.m. We're not doing Wednesdays yet, but Sunday, August 9th at 10 a.m. And then August 12th, youth group opens. Nurseries open every service. Sundays are children's. And then Wednesdays are youth. And if you need info about the homeschool co-op, see me after service. That's all we got. All right. Praise God. That's exciting, you know, to have the children's ministry opening back up because I realize the kids, you know, everything that's gone on this year, they've gone right through it, too. And they need a little bit of uh, interaction with their buddies. Right. And so we'll do it in a wonderful, safe, uh, sanitized, great way. But especially with school not opening up, these guys need to be around other little people their age. Amen. And so what better way to do it than in church and in a Christian environment. And so it's going to be awesome. So stay tuned for those details. Lots of great stuff going on. I'm going to have Pastor and Mrs. Pastor come on up. Drop my mask. For Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Amen. It's happy time, right? Hallelujah. Happy time. Yay. Well, I'm up here because today is the day that we are taking up a joint birthday offering for for pastors Dave and Katie. Her birthday is the 21st. His birthday is the 24th. And even as a family, we always celebrate them together. So um, if you are uh, giving into their birthday offering today, then Robert has the bucket for that. And then I'm going to turn this back over to Pastor um, so he can do regular tithes and offerings. Okay. Hallelujah. How many people are blessed? Yes. Amen. How many want to be more blessed? That's what we're what We're following Jesus, and Jesus is the blesser. So I guess the ushers are doing the envelopes or however you do that. I don't really know. But anyway, I want to give you a little faith lesson. And I want you to open up to Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to look at some verses of the Bible that's going to help you. <clears throat> and I want to say this. Today, I've talked to people that tithe more than non-tithers. 
reason bid, you need to use your faith as a tither to re- receive all that God has for you from His Word. You can't stay silent, but you got to speak the Word every day over your finances, every day of your life. How many know it takes faith to please God? Yes. Amen. I want to say it again. I'm talking today more than to tithers than I am non-tithers. Because if you're, if you're non-tithers, you're basically just living by luck a lot of times. Just living by whatever happens, just like the world does. Because everything that God promises in the Bible is conditional. God always says, here's what I'll do, but here's what you need to do to receive. God always tells us what it takes. How many know that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world? As far as God is concerned, everybody on the whole earth, the will of God is for everybody on the whole earth to go to heaven. But God said there's a condition. He said you have to believe that my son Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And if you believe in Jesus and call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And so heaven is available to every person on the whole earth. And so the only way to get there is by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then God says, and I'm going to look at this in the Word, that after you receive Jesus, if you want all that I have for you on earth, then one condition is you must bring 10% to the storehouse. God says that, not me. That's the Word of God. And so that's why I'm talking to the tithers today, because anything that God promises, the devil tries to stop. Amen. And so you submit to God, according to James 4, 7, you submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees from you. And so think about this. Did anybody ever get uh, in trouble with the police for resisting arrest where they didn't really resist? Resist means you got to fight. And so if somebody's fighting the police, that's called resisting. Well, we're fighting the good fight of faith. And so if we're going to resist the devil, then we have to fight. And the fight comes by speaking the word of God and obeying God. Amen? Amen. And so I want to look at a couple things out of the Bible just to help us in seeing our tithers' rights. Look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. And the book of Hebrews says so much about the present-day ministry of Jesus. Jesus didn't just die and get raised from the dead and he's done. You read the book of Hebrews, there's many, many things in the book of Hebrews. It tells that Jesus is doing right now. Matter of fact, in chapter 7, right before this, verse 25, says Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Amen. And so here it says in verse 6, But now hath he, Jesus, he's obtained a more excellent ministry. Jesus has a more excellent ministry now than what there was in the Old Testament. How much also... He is the mediator of a better covenant. Better than the Old Testament that the Jews had. Better than the Old Testament that Moses has. That the saints had in the Old Testament says, He's now the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. So it says that we have better promises. We've got a better covenant than the Hebrews had, than the Jews had. we got a better one. Isn't that awesome? Somebody ought to clap. Amen. We've got better, and so he's the mediator, so that's one thing he's doing today. He's the one that makes sure that the promises come to pass when we believe them, when we stand on them. Jesus is the mediator. He makes it happen. And then look over uh, chapter 7, 
Verse 8, something else that Jesus Christ is doing today. Amen. And like I said, I'm talking, I'm talking more to the tithers than I am the non-tithers. You can become a tither if you want to. It's a step of faith. You start breaking God 10%. But I'm not preaching to you right now. I'm talking to people who are already doing this because I want you to receive all that God has for you. And I'm not ignoring the ones that don't tithe. I'm just telling you this is there for you. But it only works if you do tithe. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 8 says that here men that die receive tithes. And that's talking about preachers. I'm a pastor called and anointed and gifted by God to bless God's people with the word of God and to be able to help people on earth. And so someday, unless the rapture happens first, I'm going to die. And you know, that's just a fact. That's the way the whole system set up that you live. You live a long time, hopefully, if you follow God, and then you die someday. And so he said, here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. And so Jesus is the Lord of the tithe. Jesus is the high priest for the tithe. Jesus does not need any money in heaven. He doesn't need money in heaven. Heaven's taken care of, but in order to get the blessings of heaven to the people on earth, God's got to have a clearinghouse on earth to use earth funds. And that's called the local church. That's called evangelists. That's called preachers. We need money on earth to be able to do what we're doing. And so on earth, in this in this place today, <clears throat> we've got air conditioning. We've got lights. We've got equipment. We've got pastors that need paid to be able to do what God wants us to do. And so on earth, God has a system set up. God says, you bring your tithe into the house of God, and my and my preachers will receive it. But first of all, he says, in heaven, I receive it because I'm the one that can bless you. You hear what I'm saying? And so my wife and I, for all of our years of Christian Christian life, I, I, I was taught by a good pastor as a baby Christian that Jesus is the one that receives my tithe. That what I give, what I give in the ministry such as Pastor David Katie's birthdays as representatives of God, they serve God, they're servants of God, they, they bless you. As we receive offerings for them, Jesus is the one. That's said when you give. It's given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So we as ministers can tell you what God said he will do, but then God does it, not us. God's the one that blesses. God's the one that multiplies. God's the one that does it. But God says as an act of faith, you don't pay any attention to goofy preachers that say tithe is not for today. You don't pay any attention to people say that God don't need your money and all the goofy stuff that religious people say because God doesn't need it in heaven. But God needs it on earth for two reasons. Number one, he needs to take care of his ministry. But number two, he needs to have an open door to bless you because obedience gets you blessed. Amen? And I want to look at one more thing before we close it. Jesus receives the tithe. But look at Malachi chapter 3. And I want to see the Old Testament promise because he said Hebrews 8, 6, we got better. Somebody said better. better. Amen. We got better. Malachi chapter 3, last book of the Old Testament. And he said, we got better promises, the more excellent ministry and better promises than the old. And when I look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, talk about the blessing for tithers, it says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. A tithe is not a missionary offering. 
A tithe is not a birthday offering. A tithe is not a building fund to help build the place. A tithe is what it takes for the maintenance funds to keep the place going. The tithe comes to the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And that word blessing there doesn't mean a one-time thing. Oh, I just got blessed today. Blessing here means a continuous flow of the anointing of God on your life. And what I've always seen this blessing flow like is this. Uh, I've never been to this Colorado River. I know that a lot of you guys go to the Colorado River and things like that. But back where I came from, the Midwest, as a matter of fact, I was talking to Mrs. Pastor coming to church. Tomorrow is the day 15 years ago we left Indiana moving to California. Tomorrow was the day we left to come out here. But uh, back there in the Midwest, we got the Mississippi River. We got the Ohio River. We got a lot of big rivers out there. But the main big river that came through Indiana where I lived at was called White River. And when I was younger, we used to get on White River, big inner tubes, or sometimes we was in boats. And once you got your boat in the water, the current took you. It took no effort. You wasn't rowing. You didn't have to have a motor. The current would carry you. All you had to do was steer the boat. If you had an inner tube, you had a big inner tube. All you had to do was steer the inner tube. The current carried you. That's what I see the blessing of God is. Once you get the windows of heaven open because you're a tither, the blessing carries you. All you have to do is steer through life and just go with the flow because God's carried you and God's blessing on you. But the way you get your boat in the water and the current of blessing is you bring your tithe in and become a consistent tither. It's just your lifestyle that you all the time, no matter what happens in your life, God give, God God gives you money and blesses you. You say, okay, Lord, wow, I just got $100. $10 goes to God. Amen. And so he says, pour you out a blessing, not room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. That means God blesses your car so your car goes further, lasts longer. If you have to have repair, that God gives you a really good deal on repairs, really good parts, etc., etc. Same thing with house deals, insurance deals. Whatever it is in life you're dealing with where the devil tries to steal your money, says God will rebuke the thief for your sakes. And then he says, And your vine shall not catch a fruit for the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. That means that what you do is going to prosper. And if, if you bought extended warranty and the warranty entered yesterday, that means your thing can't break down tomorrow because God's going to be your warranty. Amen? God takes care of those things. And so anyway, I cannot imagine what could be better than that. But God says we got better than that. And so I'm going to stick with the better than that for this new covenant, but praise God for tithers' rights. And so I want to say it again, that the reason I'm talking to you tithers today is you've got to use your faith. You can't stay silent. The devil tries to steal your car, steal your house, steal your money, steal your health, whatever it is. You stop and you say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, you are rebuked devourer because my God is rebuking you in Jesus' name. And you can't steal from me because I'm a tither. You've got to use your mouth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's make our financial faith confession. And when we make this financial faith confession, I think you'll see why tither's rights covers everything that's in this confession. Amen? Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, 
estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take care of my family, to give Jesus in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand up if we can. And let's sing this simple song together. It goes, Our praise becomes your house, your place. Praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place of oh God. Let's sing that again. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise. Your house, your place, oh We sing a song and you come in, we sing a dance and you come in, we shout your name and you come in, give me praise and you come in, we sing a song and you come in, we sing a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give me praise. Your 
Let's just sing this to the Lord this morning. And I can't get enough. No, I can't get enough of your amazing love. Jesus, I can't get enough. Deeper in your 
Let's take a few more minutes in the presence of God this morning. Amen. We say, Lord, you are holy. Father, you are holy. That seems like such an inadequate thing to say about you, Lord. But you are holy, God. You're not, there's nothing else like you. There's nobody else like you. Holy is set apart. And if everything else is right here, you're over here, God. There is nobody, no thing else like you, God. And we refuse to put you into the same category as money. We refuse to put you into the same category as, as anything else in this world, God. You are totally separate from everything else. You are set apart. You are the one and only true God. There's a lot of fake gods. There's a lot of fakers out there, but you're the real deal, Lord. We love you and we lift your name up today, Father. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you would even let people like us come and hang out with you, God. You'd let people like us even come into your presence, Lord. It's certainly not because we deserve it or because we're all that, Lord. It's because you're all that, God, and you love us. You see past our imperfections. You see past our mistakes. You see past the things that we did even yesterday, Lord. And you say, come on in. I want you to be with me. And Lord, you are holy. We lift your name up today. We will bow to no other name. We will confess no other name but Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for accepting us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for letting us come and be with you, God. You are incredible. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, as you're standing for just a minute today, I I was going to kind of talk about this at the end of my sermon, but I think I'm going to really, really quick while you're standing and we're in a moment of, of worship. I just want to encourage us today, man, that who, who, I don't know, maybe we're not all quite on the same page, but who thinks that it's 
possibly the end times where Jesus warned us a couple thousand years ago exactly what it would be like. And then all of a sudden, hey, it's exactly like that. And so I'm encouraging us and I and, and myself. I am so pleased in so many ways because in 2020, I've seen so many people that were lukewarm Christians for years finally get it and hook up with Jesus. I'm being legit. I'm being real. You know, it's, I, I was even talking to a pastor of a very large church earlier this week. And sadly, you know, they had to take out the government loans and all this just to keep the doors open. And, and people don't believe me. I'm like, we've been so blessed through 2020. Our church has grown. Our finances have grown. And it's like no one believes me because that's impossible. But I'm telling you, the reason is so many people right here, even at this church, they're like, you know what? It's getting real and we better start taking God serious. And people started attending more. People started coming more. People started tithing for the first time or, or returned to it. And it's just absolutely an incredible thing to see. Now, also on that note, I've also sadly seen some people that were always lukewarm Christians continue to stay lukewarm. Or worse yet, cool off even more than they were. And I'm like, my gosh, some people are getting it and some people aren't. But listen to me. This is a dangerous time to be lukewarm regarding your faith. A horrific time. Dangerous time to be. There is nothing more dangerous in this world than a lukewarm Christian. Why? Because you think that you have power in your life that you don't have. You think, oh, you know, hey, it's what, whatever, this will all just blow her, and, and here we are, and there's no need to really take things serious. And then I'm telling you, man, that's a dangerous boat to be in, because when the pressure really gets turned up, you are not going to stand. You are going to fold like a cheap house of cards. You know, well, you know, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just let them do this here and do that there, and and... Don't tell me if you can't stand up for calling your church essential, if you can't stand up for your faith right now, don't lie to yourself and say when an antichrist comes onto the scene that you'll be strong enough to not take some mark on your hand so you can buy bread for your kids. You won't be. You'll fold. And so what's another reason that is so da- Why are lukewarm Christians so dangerous? Because the rest of the world thinks that you are what a real Christian is. And you're not. And I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm, not, I'm just saying this to whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. No one in particular got the internet watching, got people watching. But listen to me. Lukewarm Christians are dangerous because you're fooling yourself. And other people around you think that you're a legit Christian and you're not. You're a poser. And, and we're not being mean by that. But what I'm encouraging you with is this right now. Cling to Jesus like you never have before. Because for the rest of this world, let's just get real. It could get a whole lot worse before it gets better. And I am going to abide in the secret place of the Most High. I'm not leaving the shadow of the Almighty. But but what, Revelation 3.15, Jesus said, Hey, I'd rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm. I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. If you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I'm like, Jesus, come on. That sounds like a mean thing to say. But to Jesus, a lukewarm Christian, someone that's half in, half out, half committed, not committed, that, that, that he doesn't know where they stand. You don't want somebody on your team in battle where you don't really know where they stand. They may have your back. They may not. You don't know. And so I'm telling you right now, I encourage you with every ounce of 
anything that I have within me. Take Jesus serious right now from this day forward. Whoever you are, listen, take Jesus serious. Don't cool off. Don't give up one ounce. You're going to need every ounce of faith that you need to finish this thing because I believe sooner rather than later, we're going to hear the beautiful sound of a trumpet and we're going to see our Savior standing in the sky and saying, let's go. It's all over for you. It's over for you. And I'm going to be going on that first flight, brother. I'm not waiting for the second. I'm going right away. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and uh, make your way to your seat there. Amen. I'm excited about the things of God. Who's excited to be a Christian? Who is excited that even though you've made some mistakes in your day, that Jesus still wants to hang out with you and invite you over to his house? I mean, good Lord, that's the best news I've heard in a long time, that Jesus is for me, he is not against me. Amen. Well, praise God. We're going to get in today to part three of a series we started a, a few weeks back called Love Riot. And what this is about is, is what, you know, there's a, there, there, people have so many misconceptions of love. Okay, let's just get that straight right off the bat. When I say love, so many things come to so many different people's minds. Half of you are thinking of a Hallmark movie. Half of you are thinking about Del Taco. Some of you are thinking about, but listen, God's definition of love and man's definition are two totally separate things. When I talk about love out of the Bible, I'm talking about the unconditional, unearned, you don't have to do anything for me to make me love you. I love you just because I love you, period. And that's how God loves us. He didn't wait till we were good enough to send Jesus. If he was waiting until everybody had their act together before he could send Jesus to die, we'd still be waiting, wouldn't we, right? Because I'm not there yet. I've got a long way to go. And I know, I mean, I know some of you, uh, you're, you're a lot closer than I am, but you've got a ways to go too, right? And so, the unconditional, unearned love of God is the only thing that can make a real change in a lot of what we see going on right now. Amen. And so when we get more of an idea of what God's love is, we'll start to act a little bit more like God. When you love people like God loves them, you'll do things for them even when it's inconvenient. Even when you don't feel like it, you'll still show up. Even when you don't feel like it, you'll still be there for them. And that is not how the world views real genuine love, okay? And so there are several different things that the Bible tells us God is. In fact, in the book of John, seven different times, Jesus made seven I am statements. You know, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate for the sheep to come in. Seven times. So Jesus himself used seven different things to describe who he is. And all throughout scripture, we can see lots of things that the Bible says, God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. And, and, and so today though, what I want to do is I want to look at Two very specific needed things for 2020 that the Bible says God the Father and God the Son Jesus is, okay? Just two things today, and I want you to really pay attention to these, but if we could get a hold of these two things, you're going somewhere today, and you're going to help some people out. Who in here you have any desire at all to take somebody else to heaven with you? 
my greatest, my, my, one of my biggest fears, I should say, is that I'm up in heaven standing before Jesus. And then I see somebody else on this side over here that's not getting in. And they're like, hey, I knew you for 20 years. Why didn't you really tell me the truth? Wouldn't that be your worst nightmare that you are up there at heaven and there's somebody else that is not getting in even though you are and it's somebody that you had the absolute chance to really tell the truth of the gospel to but you just didn't feel like it because it was inconvenient or you thought they would judge you or they thought they would whatever and you held back from the truth. That's a nightmare that I don't ever want to see happen. I want to get into heaven and I want to have a whole crowd of people behind me that are getting in there because I had the guts to say something. I had the guts to stand up for something. Amen. We need some gutsy Christians. We need some people that will stand up in 2020 and not roll over and play dead just because they tell you to. The devil does not want the church to stand up and use its voice right now. And he's doing everything that he can to silence the church of God. But I'm saying, not on my watch. I will not shut up. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, we're going to look at two things today before I get all crazy and wild on you here. The first thing is this. Number one, I've said it and I'll say it again. Number one. God is what? Love. By definition, God is love. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4. Let's flip over there. Thank you on the back. 1 John chapter 4. So we're going to look at verses 7 and 8. So this was the children's church theme verse for this week, right? 1 John 4, 8. And so I recorded the kids doing that yesterday. And I forgot, I've got to give a shout out real, real quick. So my son, Sam, for my birthday, for whatever reason, his biggest dream in life this year was to buy me some Dr. Seuss socks for my birthday. And so I promised him that I would show the cat, look at that, the cat in the hat. That's right. He was so nice to buy me like a, a 12 pack of these. So every day I've got to buy, wear another pair of these incredible socks that I'm so in love with. And so tomorrow's going to be hop on pop, I think. And then after that, we got green eggs and ham. So anyway, good stuff. Those are my socks. So I had to show those for Sam. But first John chapter four, verses seven and eight, it says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from our emotions when we feel like it. For love comes if we've got enough money in the bank. Love really comes if you've got the man in office that you want in office. No, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Well, why is that? For God is love. What is God? God is love. There's a lot of things the Bible tells us God is, but the biggest thing that I can think of is God is love. And so, again, when we hear that, our first instinct is, okay, well, if God is love, we start to put God into our own manufactured idea of what love is. Okay, well, I don't, if God is love, then why did this happen? 
If God is love, then why does the Bible say that I can't do this? If he really loves me, he just let me do whatever I felt like doing. If God is really love, then explain this over here. And the reason people trip up is because you are trying to, to, to believe in God. You are trying to put God into your box of your own definition of who God is. God is not who you imagine him to be. God is God. And, and I'm not. And so if there's somewhere along the way where we have a misunderstanding, I'm the wrong one. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't feel it. I, I don't, I don't get it right now. And, and that's not how I see it. It doesn't matter how you see it. You're not God. And I am not too afraid to admit that I've been wrong before. I've had certain beliefs, man. I, I felt like this for a long time. And then the Bible tells me, man, you're wrong. And then I got to say, well, I don't like it. But guess I'm wrong. I got to change because I know that God is not going to be the one to change. And so we try to define God and, and God's love in our own manufactured way of thinking about love when he's the real thing and everything else is just a fake and an imposter. Have you ever had the real thing then you've had the fake? Like think about this. I don't care what anybody says. There's only one real Oreo cookie. All the others are just imitating. We won't the real. So listen to me. Listen, the, 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 there's the name and I'm good for generic on so many things, but there is a difference between a real genuine Oreo and then going and getting the off brand. It's just not. And I've tried. It's not the same. And once you've had the real thing, nothing else can satisfy. Nothing else stacks up to the real. But I think about it this way. Sometimes we think we've had the real. Sometimes we think we've had the best and we don't even know yet. And we don't. And, and so I, I've thought about it this way. You know, most of us would say that we really love chocolate. Or is anybody that you just, you like yourself? I like chocolate. Good stuff right there. Okay. And so what I've come to realize, though, is there's the redone, remanufactured, uh, 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 redefined curved to my taste buds stuff like Snickers and, and, and Kit Kat. And I love that stuff, man. That's good stuff. But upon further study, that's not actually the real deal. The real deal is this, you know, from the cocoa bean, the real chocolate. And it's not like this stuff at all. Now, I prefer this stuff that they've redesigned and remanufactured and, 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 and made to my current standards and my liking. But the real thing, it's actually not quite so sweet, right? You got to add to it and make it what you want for you to like it. And a lot of people, they're like, well, I like this idea of God, but I need to add this, this, and this to make him what I like and make him what I want him to be. Now, the truth about real chocolate is, I, I mean, I'm not a health guy. Obviously, you can tell that. But but anyway, hold your, hold your thoughts. But at the same time, the real deal chocolate, it's like one of the best sources of antioxidants in the entire planet. But the stuff that we like so much is actually kind of bad for us. And so I'm talking about it this way. Sometimes what we think we like and want so bad and like, well, I like that God can save me. I like that God can do this. I think I'll just add this to my God and I'll add this to my God. And once you get Jesus plus, you will be a very unfulfilled, scatterbrained, lost person. I don't need Jesus plus. I just need Jesus. 
I don't need to add anything to Jesus. I don't need to add anything. He's the real deal, the full package, all in one. And sometimes there's parts I'm like, well, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But it's so much better for me in the end than somebody that's going to sugarcoat it and lie to me and tell me what I want to hear. Now, I would never say this to somebody, but I saw a meme the other day that said, you're fat. I'd sugarcoat it, but you'd probably eat that too. I was like, oh, come on. Oh, I'm not saying that to anybody. I'm just saying somebody said that online and I'm like, that's mean, dude. Come on. But listen, we don't, the, the time for, for the fake stuff is over. Who wants the real deal? Who wants the real Jesus? Who wants real Christians in the last day? So God is not some cheap, generic, on my terms and my own definition thing. God is God, the real deal, and I don't need to add anything to him. God is love. Notice something else from this verse 8 here. It says, anyone that does not love does not know God. For God is love. So I am telling you right now, it is impossible for a genuine born-again Christian to hate another human being. I mean, there's different people I don't like as much as others, but I I can stand in this pulpit right now and say with all 100% sincerity, there is not one human being on earth that I hate. Not one. There's, I mean, there's people that I don't want to go hang out with and I'm not going to have a sleepover with them and, you know, have movie night at my house. But there's nobody I hate because to hate somebody means you would rather them be dead and go to hell. That's hatred. And I've even heard people that say, I, when I worked at FedEx in Indianapolis, and there was this lady that wanted to talk to me about being a Christian all the time. She got mad at somebody on the employee bus one day and was like, you know what, go to. And I was like, well, I guess we see where we stand now, don't we? <laughs> My gosh. And then you want to come to me tomorrow talking about Jesus, talking about church? I don't want to talk to somebody like that. A born-again Christian hates no other human being. I hate the works of the devil. I hate things like that, but I don't hate other people. For anyone who does not love does not even know God, let alone be a son of God or a daughter of God. He said, you don't, you don't even know God. How is that? For God is love. The very definition of who he is is love. And to say that love and hate are on the same team in the same family, that's a lie. God is love. And so I know you know this stuff, but I'm encouraging us to check ourselves right now. First John 3, 10. First John 3 and verse 10. John was called the apostle of love because he was always talking about love. John was motivated by love. And when you're motivated by love, you see other people in an entirely different way. When, 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 when Jesus really has a hold of your heart, you begin to see other people in an entirely different way, especially mean people, especially nasty people, especially haters. You start to see them as like, oh my gosh, that's the most lost person I've ever, I feel so awful for them. You don't feel it, man. I hate them. Wish I could get them back. Oh, their day's coming. Listen, their day will come more or less. It'll happen, but I'm not going to contribute to that. 
God doesn't need my help to do his job on that. If somebody's going to mess with God's kids long enough, they'll eventually pay the price for it. But I'm not going to contribute to that. I'm going to leave vengeance in the hands of God, as it tells us. But First John 3.10, it says, So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. What? Listen. I, and people, people will call you a judger or a hater or whatever, but it tells me right there that I can straight up tell who's a child of God and who's a child of the devil. Am I making this up or does it say that? It says that. So I, I mean, I could easily hang out with somebody for a little while. Once I get to know somebody, you can tell, oh man, that guy's a child of the devil. Don't you judge him. I didn't have to. He identified himself. He hates everybody. That's not what a Christian does. And so right here, it says, we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So that tells me right there, there are people that identify themselves as believers. If I ask them, hey, are you a believer? Yes, I'm a believer. What do you think about this guy? I hate him. What? He's a Christian. Well, I don't care. I hate him. He did this 20 years ago. He did this last week. And I'm telling you right now, I mean, it's not judgmental at all to say this guy must be a child of the devil. Because children of God do not hate other people, especially other believers. Verse 15, it says this. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. Man, I don't even want to read this stuff. This is hard. I forgot how hardcore this was, so I'm reading it all over again right now. Listen, it says anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. I mean... I don't think we had to beat it around the bush right here. It's telling us if we genuinely hate other people, we are murdering them within our heart and we don't have eternal life. We are not going to heaven at that point. And so for me to hate somebody else for a valid reason or an invalid reason, it doesn't matter. The result is the same. I get myself in a world of hurt and trouble. Just like I've said it before, I've seen on the news where somebody accidentally gets shot by a gun on a hunting trip or something. It's awful, complete accident, didn't deserve it, but the result's the same. He's either hurt really bad or he dies. Then I've seen sometimes where somebody intentionally gets shot on the news. Same thing, really bad, maybe dies from it. The result is the same, whether it was an accident or on purpose, whether I hate somebody because they deserve it or they don't deserve it, it doesn't matter. The result is the same. It buries me and pushes me down in life and could potentially keep me from going to heaven. Something for us to think about on a beautiful July Sunday morning. Can I get an amen today? Amen. And so it's not a stretch to say if God said, I am love. That's ex- that, that's what I am. Anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. It's not a stretch to say we better start taking this love thing seriously. And especially in the end times, I can't drive that home enough. This is the end times. And you don't have time to be hating somebody else. Why? Because we're told in Galatians that our faith works by love. Faith works by love. 
And so, would you say that this would be an important time for your faith to be working? I think it's a very important time for my faith to be working, but it's not going to work if I don't have the love of God working in my heart. And so, by definition, God defines himself as love. Now, I want to get to what I'm really getting at. Number two, God is truth. God is truth. Who likes truth? Who sometimes doesn't like truth? Sometimes I don't like truth. (laughs) Let's just get real. Because sometimes the truth is that I've got issues I need to fix. Sometimes the truth is I'm wrong. But that doesn't change the fact that it's true, right? Whether I agree with truth or not, it doesn't matter what my opinion about truth is. God is truth. And sometimes I love that, sometimes I don't like that, but either way, I've got to build a bridge and get over it because that's not going to change what God says, right? And so, I'm going to, I've got five verses right here, okay? Write them down, unless you're like crazy fast at flipping like my dad or something, but five quick verses here, please write them down. I'm going to take a quick snapshot of several verses that give us this point about God is truth, because I want you to see that... I'm not making this up, that God, by definition, is love, and by definition, God is truth. And my goal over the next 10 minutes is to bring those two together where you can see the connection between love and truth. Because love don't lie. Lying ain't loving, right? So I want you to see how these two intermingle together. Five quick verses. John 14 and verse 6 Jesus himself said this. This is one of the seven I am statements in the book of John. John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That is Jesus defining himself. He says, well, what am I? I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 3, verse 33. I told you, you got to be fast. John 3, verse 33 It tells us this about God. It says, anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that what? God is true. Well, I thought this was true. No, that's not. God is true. Well, no, but but, but they told me that this over here was actually true. No, that's not true. God is true. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I would stack his record. I would stack his credentials up against anybody else I know. He's got the track record thousands of years of proof and history to prove that in the end he's always right but we thought we had this figured out turns out we were wrong god is true how about hebrews 6 18 hebrews 6 18 it tells us this and there's a parallel verse that goes with this i'm going to give you a bonus bonus verse titus 1 2 but hebrews 6 18 says so god has given both his promise and his oath these two things are unchangeable why Because it is impossible for God to lie. Think about that. That it's impossible. God is so true. God is so full of truth. God himself, by definition, is truth. That it is completely impossible for him to lie. It doesn't say that God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Because anything he speaks out instantly becomes truth. That's how powerful he is. If God said, you know what? Grass shall now be red. Well, it's never been that way. Well, guess what? It is now because God said it is. Now that's an extreme example. But listen, 
anything that God says is instantly truth, for it's impossible for him to lie. And, and you gotta, you've gotta get, just imagine that for a minute, how great God is, that by definition, God is truth. How about this? Jeremiah 10, 10. Jeremiah 10, 10. Somebody, do I hear 10? 10. Jeremiah 10, 10. Do I hear 5, 10, 15? Jeremiah 10, verse 10. Have you ever seen that YouTube video where they put hip-hop beats to auctioneers? No one? Okay. I've seen that. I just, do anybody, come on, you've seen that. Somebody under the age of 30 has seen that. Oh, okay. No, okay. Listen, you got to go on YouTube and look at the hip-hop auctioneers. It's like the best video ever. All right. That was a bonus. That's another. I'm trying to start giving out. I, now that I'm 35, two things. I can officially run for president. So that's, you know, that's not with it. <laughs> but the second thing is I feel like I've got a little bit of wisdom. So I'm trying to give life hacks out there, but it's like people don't appreciate them. So life hack, go home, get on YouTube, look up the rap auctioneers. That's going to do you a lot of good in the end times. You need that for yourself. Okay. All right. So Jeremiah 10, 10, it says, but the Lord is one of the only, no, it says the Lord is the only true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. So is there a bunch of true living gods? Is there, I mean, is there, well, by this 2020, so now we've got this over here. No, out of it all, there's only one true living God and it's not you. And it's not your man. And it's not your woman. And it's not who you thought. There's only one living true God. And it's Jesus Christ. Amen. It's God our Father. And one of my favorites, Numbers 23, 19. You need to know this. Numbers 23 and verse 19. Who realizes this? That basically people are liars and even people that you like a lot, they lie sometimes. Anybody else notice that? I've noticed that. And so here's one of the great things I love about God. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. All the women were like, yeah, amen. Then man, they're lying. All, the... all right. So God is not a man. God is not a woman. God is not a human being. So God does not lie. He doesn't lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Now that statement right there, that's something that you ought to get a hold of in your life, that he does not change his mind. What are we talking about? We're talking for just a minute here about absolute truth. And so in, in our modern day, listen, listen, I want to, I'm talking about starting a love riot right here. What's a riot? It's a righteous invasion of truth. We've got to bring truth. We've got to invade this world with truth right before Jesus comes back down, right? We've got to, we, we got to get real with it. We've got to start telling some truth. We've got to start presenting the truth. Right is righteous invasion of truth. And you've got to realize that in our, in our day, in our age, we're told that, that, that we define what our truth is. That's a lie. That'll kill you. We do not get to decide and define what truth is. Now, one of the scarier things I've read in a long time is that the Barna Research Group Christian Organization, very well-established and uh, respected and credible research firm, one of the best in the nation, they, they did a, a survey and they asked people if they believe that there are moral absolutes 
or if that morals change depending on the situation, such as lying's bad, but it's okay to tell a lie if it'll get you out of trouble, right? And so asking adults in this nation if there are moral absolutes that are unchanging or if morals depend on the situation by a three to one margin over 64% of adults said truth always depends on the person and their situation. So stealing is bad for me because I'm not poor, but if you're poor, then that makes, well, we got to understand you're poor. So it's okay for you to steal. Hating is wrong for me because, well, I'm a preacher and, I, and I'm up here. But hating is okay for you to hate me because I am a preacher. But it's okay because you just don't agree with me. Or, or, or you know, yeah, cheating on your spouse is totally wrong uh, unless you just aren't in love with them anymore. Then it's okay now because you don't have the feels no more. You know what I mean? It's, you don't used to have it in there, but now you don't. It's always wrong. There are moral absolutes that will never change. It will always be wrong to commit adultery. That don't change, man. Yeah, but, man, you ought to see. She's mean to me. That doesn't matter. It will always be wrong to murder another person. Now, you got to realize the word kill and the word murder, so telling the you know the u.s soldiers that if they've had to do that on the battlefield that they are murderers the there's two different hebrew words okay and really the ten commandments say thou shalt not murder but the english just calls it thou shalt not kill i don't ever want to kill nobody but you can't call a u.s soldier a marine a murderer that's just a total side note because some people trip over that but it's never going to be okay to murder somebody else even if they made you super super angry right so do I get to define, well, I, I know, I, I, I'm all for that, but you see, I, I, I'm in this situation over here, and my reality is this. Your reality is more fake than a $3 bill, man. You're, there's not, your reality is jacked up, and for me to lie and tell you that you are correct, that's hateful. If I know that you're doing something that's going to send you to hell... but I don't love you enough to say something like, man, can we just talk for a minute? You do with this what you want, but I, I got to tell you the truth of this right here. If I don't even love you enough to do that for you, did I really love you in the first place? I didn't love you with the God kind of love. I loved you with my own manufactured, cheap, backdoor, whatever love that says, if you really love them, you'll tell them what they want to hear. If you really love them, You'll do anything you can to avoid hurting their feelings. And this is something, let's just get transparent. Let's do it. For me, I do not like conflict. You can ask probably any leader in the church. <laughs> I, Pastor Dave, I don't like conflict. I do not seek out arguments. I do not seek out, that's why you don't see me on social media talking about politics and stuff. It's not my thing. All the rest of you professionals are out there. You got it covered for me, so I don't have to. But at the same time, I don't like to fight with people. I don't like I don't like conflict. I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Now you may hear me preach and think, well, that's impossible. You hurt me all the time. I don't mean to, and I hate that. But listen, I don't like to hurt anybody's feelings. I like people to like me. I, I you know, that's just that's my personality. Now I know some people are like, no, man, I'm not like that. I want, I just, I'm here to, and that's fine. God made all of us different, 
but it's sometimes a struggle for me to, to, to be so truthful to tell you something that you don't want to hear. That's a struggle for me to do because I don't want to hurt your feelings, but the fire of hell hurts a lot more than my snowflake feelings hurt right now. And a temporary hurt is a lot better than an eternal hurt. And so I am growing in the name of Jesus to such a level that I can, and I've got some people that they're telling Pastor Dave, tell me the truth. You don't have to handle me like everybody else. Give it to me and give it to me hard. I want the cold, hard truth. You sure about that, bro? (laughs) We can go there. But listen, it is not loving to lie to people and tell them everything is okay when it's not. That's why they tell doctors, you got to tell this person that what their chances are. Now, by faith, I know I've been, I've been raised off the bed of leukemia, so I know God's truth. But they tell doctors, you can't lie to people and tell them that it's okay when it's really not because that's mean and that's wrong. And it's wrong of a Christian to give somebody some false sense of security, but that's exactly what a lukewarm Christian will do. Won't they? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I know, but seriously, I know it says that, but look, you just, uh, just take that with a grain of salt. Man, I don't got to take the Bible with a grain of salt. I am the salt. Jesus told me that I am the salt of the earth. And if the salt has lost its savor, what hope is there for anybody? Listen, it's time for some Christians in a loving way to get a little bit salty, if you know what I mean. Come on, somebody. All right? And so... Absolute truth is defined as an inflexible reality. Two plus two is always four. It never comes out to five. If it does, you did something wrong. And math is my worst subject, and we've got to homeschool our kids. Pray for the mercy of God right now, somebody. Listen, two plus two, if I get six, I did something wrong somewhere along the way, but you can't come up and say, huh, well, it's always been four before, but I guess if it's five for you, then it's five for you. That's messed up. You're going to hurt somebody. If you tell your kids that, that yellow is blue and you keep telling them that their whole life, even if that's what they've always been told, when they grow up and get into the real world and everybody else says, no, man, that's, that's actually blue. You, you're wrong. No, you, Colonel Sanders, you're wrong. Mama's right. Come on. No, that's messed up. You're not helping anybody out. You're killing people with this stuff. You've got, we as Christians... We've got to start speaking the truth, but I'm going to show you in a few minutes that there's a correct way to love that. And so absolute truth and the God kind of love go hand in hand. They are intertwined. They are married to one another. You can't separate them from one another. And so we live in this world that says truth changes depending on the circumstances. Well, Jesus said, let me just throw a little equation at you here. Here's how I'm working. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6, Jesus says, he is truth. How about Hebrews 13, 8? It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just follow me for one second here. If Jesus is truth, and Jesus never changes, then truth never changes. Because... If Jesus had to change on something, and we already read that he doesn't change his mind, but if Jesus had to change his mind and get a 2020 update, that would mean that somewhere along the way, Jesus was wrong. 
And if Jesus was wrong somewhere along the way, then Jesus isn't perfect. And if Jesus isn't perfect, Jesus isn't qualified to die for the sins of the entire human race. And that means I've got to stand before God on my own and pay the price for my own sins. And that means I don't get a chance in this world. I don't stand a snowball's chance in Barstow of getting to heaven if I've got to pay for my own sins. Do you see how dangerous it is to say that, well, that used to be true, but that ain't true no more. Do you see how dangerous it is to even possibly consider the, the saying that Jesus was wrong at some point? My entire salvation depends upon the fact that Jesus Christ is perfect and that he loves me so much that he won't lie to me. That he loves me so much and he's so perfect that he could die and pay for my sins. Now, I know that was a little bit of a heavy revy right there. We went deep on you, but I hope you get that. Don't fall into the trap of saying, well, yeah, but it's, it's not like that no more. It's, it's, it's changed. Some things have changed. Jesus and truth have not changed. And it's hateful. It's arrogant. It's prideful to say that, well, yeah, I know, but it, it's changed. If it has to do with the Bible, it has not changed. Because Jesus doesn't need to change. Somebody give God a little bit of praise in here today. And so, we all like the inspirational Bible verses, right? I mean, I know people like, they'll get on, I know people that probably don't even go to church, aren't even Christian, they'll post Bible verses online because it gives them the goosebumps. But there's other parts in there too, man. Not just the parts that you agree with. There's a whole 66 books right here, and they're all just as true as the last one. Right? And so we've got to cling to this truth. Let me show you here. Ephesians 4.15. I want you to see this. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Look at this. Ephesians 4.15. You know they talk about you can tell if somebody really uses their Bible if it's falling apart. Somebody's got to pray for Pastor Dave because I have wore this thing out, man. <laughs> man, I've wore this thing out. I've used this Bible so much, but it's, yeah, we're going to get it rebound and stuff like that. But, I man. I keep putting it back together, and that back page keeps coming off. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Ephesians 4, 15. You have got to see this. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. What, what a powerful phrase. What does it say we're supposed to do with love? Speak the truth in love. Those two words have lined up. At the exact same verse, it says truth and love. We've got to speak the truth and love. And when we do that, we're growing more and more like Christ. So what did Jesus do? He always spoke the truth, but it came out of a heart of love. And there's plenty of people like, man, I don't care if you like it or not. I just speak the truth. I say what's on my mind. I'm going to tell you, there's not very many people that annoy me more than a person like that. That thing that this is my license to just go around being mean and, and making everybody mad and, and stirring up trouble everywhere I go. That's just how I am. I just speak. Blah, 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 blah. I say whatever's on my mind. And, and that's fine sometimes. But sometimes you really should keep what's on your mind just on your mind or take it out back and shoot it. Because it's doing a lot of damage and no wonder people don't like you, right? Oh, wait. Sorry. We said that out loud. So, but, but seriously, we're supposed to speak the truth and sometimes... Just consider this possibility. Maybe what's on your mind isn't truth. 
There is that remote, I know it's slim, because you're so perfect and everything, but there is that one remote chance that you're wrong, and you're just going to go out there and blast somebody with all this stuff that's on your mind, and ruin a relationship, and make people hate you, and make people not want to go to church, make people not want to go to Jesus anymore, because they think that you're what a Christian is. Listen, how did Jesus handle the truth? He spoke the truth in love. Now, Jesus' ultimate goal was to love people and to save people. And I've determined that that's got to be my ultimate goal in life. Love people. Love God, but love people and love them enough to save them. And so let me tell you this. I've, um, I'm, I'm in this building on Friday morning, so I come over here super early, and I pray. And I pray for you guys by name. I, I'm walking through here most mornings of the week. And I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but I'm telling you this. So 5 a.m. And I'm, I'm walking and I see, okay, well, here's where Dave usually sits. Uh, and, and, and there's where Rosalinda sits. And so I'm just, I'm praying for people. And, and there's Lori and, and there's Leanne. And so, and so I'm, I'm, I'm praying for people. And, 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 and I'm lifting you guys up that you'll have an awesome day. And that, that, that God's working in your life. And that God's going to do things in your life. And, 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 and bless you and all this stuff. But I'm in here Friday morning praying, and, and I'm thinking about, man, how much does Jesus love us? The love of God, man, the love of Jesus. We were singing about it earlier, but he loved me enough, right, that, that he wouldn't let anything stop him from saving me because that was his ultimate goal. And I found out that human beings, when they have a true, genuine goal, a, a real one, not just some made up, but a real goal, they will stop at nothing to accomplish the goal. Now, sometimes people fall short, but a lot of times they accomplish it. And people do incredible things when they've got a goal in mind. They will stop at nothing until they accomplish that goal. Jesus' goal was to get me into heaven, and he stopped at nothing until he did what it took. And so I'm thinking about this. I'm like, man, that, that makes sense, Jesus. I felt the Holy Spirit talking to me that whatever, I, just, I wrote it down on my phone, but whatever your true goal and motive is, you will do anything to accomplish it. That's why some people will backstab and tear other people down so they can get promoted and make more money. You're like, man, how could they do that to me? Because their whole goal is to get that promotion. human beings are collateral damage. They don't care if they stomp all over you and lie about you. They'll stop at nothing until they get that promotion and title so they can get more money because that's their whole goal in life. Now, I mean, I'm just being real. Yet, I'm just, I I feel the Holy Spirit talking to me. And then he said this, yet other people will go to the same great lengths to make excuses and lie so they can get out of work and be lazy because their ultimate goal is to sit on a couch. I know some people that work just as hard, and I, I mean just as hard at doing anything they can to lie and, and, and get out of work, anything as hard as they possibly can, because their ultimate goal is to be able to lay on the couch and play Xbox or whatever. And I'm like, man, if you just put that effort into like a job, you'd probably be a millionaire by now. And I'm not judging, I'm not being mean, but I'm just saying... I see these extremes and like, man, people will do some crazy things when they've got a goal in mind. When loving other people is your ultimate goal, you will do some, you'll do some 
extreme things, you will stop at nothing until you reach them with the gospel. You see, like, how could that guy stand out there and witness to those people? How could he go out there and preach to that crowd? How could he go out there and do that? His ultimate goal in life is to love people and to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then I look at some Christians, and I've been guilty, you've been guilty, and like, man, how could they sit there and not say anything to that guy? Because their ultimate goal is to be comfortable in life. We're like, well, how, how could this guy's over here hurt and dying and, 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 and this guy's going through this right here and this is going on? How could, there's a Christian standing right there. How could they not do anything? Because truth be told, their ultimate goal is they just want to be comfortable. I want to get to heaven, all right. And I want to, you know, be at church if it's convenient or they tell me I can, but, or, you know, whatever the case is. But if your ultimate goal is comfort, the end times will be a rough period for you. And it's getting heavy in here today. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Listen, if your ultimate goal is to just be as comfortable as you can. I love comfort. I want to be comfortable. I want to sit on my couch and watch Bonanza all day long, every day. I love it. But listen, that's not going to do nothing. Listen to me. If if your ultimate goal is comfort, the end times are going to really stink for you. Because if you, listen, before Jesus comes back, we've got whatever window this is. I have no idea. A year, two years, three days. I have no idea. But we've got this short window of before Jesus comes back. Listen to me. And if you want to make this window as comfortable as you possibly can and just get as unscathed as you possibly can, man, if you don't go on the rapture, my God, it is going to get super crazy uncomfortable. We need Christians right now that love God so much and love other people so much that they will stand up for what is right. They will speak the truth, but they will do it in Love. Love doesn't lie. Love doesn't just blast people because you feel like it, but love doesn't lie. Lying ain't loving. And I'm telling you right now, if we're going to have a love right, if we're going to make any sort of difference in the end times before Jesus comes back, we have got to love people enough to start standing up for what's right, to start speaking the truth to people in love and and no longer being some dead, wimpy, powerless body of Christ. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such blemish. But if we're too ashamed to speak up for Jesus now, if we're too ashamed to stand up and love people right now, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be held back from in the end times. And so my, I'm going to give you a challenge this week. Who, who likes challenges? Okay. I appreciate the honesty. Some of you don't. I, that's fine. And I get that. And I'm seriously, thank you for telling the truth. But either way, whether you like it or not, I am giving you a challenge this week. And it's this. I challenge you and I dare you to share the name of Jesus or the gospel with one person this week. Well, that's, I don't think I could. Come on. One person 
before next Sunday, I dare you, I challenge you, where if somebody said, man, I'm going through this, I went through that, but let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Man, isn't this crazy times? It is crazy, but I've got Jesus in my heart, so I've got, I'm handling it a lot better than most people. I challenge you right now, Christian, Christ-like one, at some point within the next seven days to share the name of Jesus or the gospel with somebody else, or your story, your testimony of what Jesus did for you. Is there anybody at all that would say, challenge accepted? Come on, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm not asking you to go out there and set up a tent and, and, and start a whole revival on your own, but I am asking, love somebody else enough that when you see them hurting, you don't just say, they're there, it'll all get better someday because it probably won't if they don't get Jesus in their heart. But you love them enough to say, man, I know you're going through it, but I've got the answer right here. That's love. Amen. And so that's my challenge that you will love somebody enough this week to tell them the truth and tell them about Jesus. Can I get an amen today? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Come on, let's stand up together. Who could say that God's been good to you? Amen. Well, as we start to close out, I want to give this presentation and this for your consideration, at least, whether you're online or in the building here or whatever. You have got to make a decision about Jesus. <laughs> You've got to make a decision. And being in neutral about Jesus is one of the most dangerous places you can be. And so there's a lot of things we can be remain neutral on. Well, I don't know who has the best burger in town. I don't know who. I'm just neutral on that. All right, well, whatever. That doesn't matter. But so many people, they... Do not want to make a decision about Jesus. They want to wait. You can't wait anymore. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Joshua said, choose you this day, not tomorrow, not next week. Choose today who you will serve. You have got to make a choice. I am pleading with you to make a choice today. Either yes or no. The choice is up to you. If you choose no, that's your choice. If you choose yes, praise God. But listen, staying in neutral by not making a choice you've made your choice and your choice is no there's a lot of things you don't have to make a choice on but jesus is not one of them everybody has to make a choice about jesus and so we haven't done a lot of been able to do a lot of altar calls lately but i want us to take a minute i want us to bow our heads i want us to close our eyes right now and I want to pray over you. I pray that some conviction has come upon you today. Now, chances are most people I've met, I haven't met a lot of people in the United States that have just never heard the gospel or never uh, received Jesus at any point. But I have met some. But the chances are that there's a big group of people who I have met that they have received Jesus at some point, but they have walked away from him. And I'm just talking to those people today, man, that it's time for us to get real with God. I'm going to pray over you, and I want you to pray this with me. I want you to say this, Father, in Jesus' name, forgive me for being lukewarm, for being complacent, for not taking you serious. Jesus, forgive me. Come back in. I'm coming back to you. Receive me now. 
I promise to live for you and not look back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm a massive believer. I'm, I don't do the, well, you know, quickly raise your hand, but don't let anybody see. I don't believe in that junk. You've got to, if you, if you receive Jesus or you come back to him, it's not an embarrassing thing. It's a good thing. And so I'm challenging you at this point. We aren't, we haven't had people come up. We're laying hands on them, but I am challenging you and I'm telling you, if you did something with Jesus today, you have got to reach out and not be ashamed of it. You have got to let us know, let us get a hold of you. We've got to do this, okay? But it's not a time to to play patty cake and I don't know about it. You've got to be serious, amen? So one more time, let's give the Lord some praise today. Amen. We're talking about a love riot, a righteous invasion of truth where we bring the truth in love to the world around us because the lion thing ain't working no more. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. Well, we uh, are familiar with several churches who are opening this Sunday, um, making their stand for what's right. Um, we also, yeah, praise God. Amen. Uh, we also know a few churches who have been served cease and desist orders by their cities. And so I'd like for us to do what the Bible says and pray for other believers everywhere, right? So if we could join together in prayer to pray for and with those churches who are opening and those churches who've been served orders that God would make a way for them, as he always does, and that our government and that our our country would wake up, right? Amen. So join with me. Father in heaven, thank you so much for our amazing church body here. Lord, we're just another part of the body of Christ throughout our nation. And we thank you that your word is truth, that love never fails. So I thank you, Father, as we have taken our stand and other churches are taking their stand, that your word would triumph, that the gospel would change our our state our region, our nation. Father, thank you for you making a way for these churches. Protect them. Keep your hand over them. No weapon formed against them can prosper. But Lord, I also pray for the cities who've served those orders. I pray for the Christians who are stuck in in those rules and regulations. Father, I thank you that you would give them boldness and courage that those working in areas of government and within the cities, Lord, that they would stand up, that they would be given a voice, that the door would be opened for them, that, as your word says, their gifts would bring them before great people. Thank you, Father, especially in San Diego and San Diego County, that you are turning that for the good of those who love you. Thank you, Father, that... Your word and your love never fails. Thank you for the righteousness that was in our sheriff's department and is in our city and in our town and in our county. Thank you, Father, for your word winning in San Bernardino County. Thank you, Father, for a saved mayor who believes in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for a city who glorifies your name. We are so grateful. 
Father, thank you that you answer the cries of your people. We cry out for other believers within our state, within our region, and within our nation, Father. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Well, God is good. And this, like we said, man, this is the time to stand up for our Bible beliefs. Amen. And it is the time to be bold with our faith and with our love. God is good. Let's give the Lord one more shout of praise today. Amen. God is so good to us. I am not ashamed of the gospel, and I am not ashamed of what Jesus has done in my life. Amen. We're going to close out today with our Barstow Faith Confession. Remember that we got our children's ministry open up soon. The parents are so happy. And if you're uh, interested in the homeschool church co-op, the, the thing we're doing, then please talk to me or Katie, and we'll get you more details. But lots of great stuff going, and I'm excited to hear that trumpet someday soon. I'm saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's do this. Come on. Amen. Honey, lead us in the faith confession. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barso is full of the glory of God. Barso is coming to Jesus. Barso is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.